Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. All right. Hey, my name is Drake. I'm the pastor here. It's an honor to have you gathering with us. Have you had enough coffee yet? Is it too cold in here for you? It's a little chilly. Hey, apologies. This week, the heater's getting fixed, and so we should actually, you know, not have penguins running around in here anymore after this Sunday. Really glad you guys are here. I don't know if you caught it, but during the MC moment, Maddie was like, I'm judgmental once a year. Did you guys hear that? Just once a year, Maddie is judgmental. The rest of the time, she's on point. But uh, Halloween Community Night is going to be awesome. Danielle and I and our kids, we're bringing our A-game. Our dog, Lady, is coming, dressed up and ready to party. And so you should, too. Otherwise, I'm walking away with that prize. But hey, seriously, I hope you guys are having a great morning. You're like awake and engaged. Really glad you're here. If you're a guest with us, seriously, so glad that you're here. And I just want to let you know, no matter where you're walking in on your spiritual journey today, you are loved, safe, and welcome here at City Church. Our, our heartbeat here is to help people find their way to God from where they are. So what that means is no matter where, the, where you are today, we want to meet you where you are, help you take some next steps. And so I hope today's going to be encouraging and challenging for you. How's everybody else doing? You guys okay? <laughs> Bro, yeah, yeah. I'm, it's okay. We're going to have some fun today. Um, so as we get into uh, this, this series that we've been in, this is week four. If, you've been, if you missed kind of the first couple of weeks, they were kind of foundational for where this is series, series is going through the fall. So you can catch that on our podcast, our YouTube channel. But let me throw a, a verse up on the screen for you, see if this is familiar to you, even if you're not a follower of Jesus. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love but the greatest of these is love. How many have heard that verse before? Like probably on someone's grandma's wall somewhere, you know? <laughs> like I think there's an Alan Jackson song about it too, if that's your, your jam. Uh, um, so this is a pretty familiar verse. Even if like you're not a follower of Jesus, you heard this somewhere and it kind of, you know, it's got a feel-good vibe, especially when you pull it out of context and you just plaster it somewhere. You're like, yeah, the greatest is love. And then you know, we get in trouble because it depends on what definition of love we're working with. But over the last couple of weeks, we've been dealing with some conversations around who the Spirit of God is and how we live in relationship with the Spirit of God. And so now today, we are shifting from who the Spirit of God is, the Holy Spirit, and you can go catch all that up on the last three weeks. And now we're moving into like all the stuff the Spirit does. So not just who he is and the relationship that we have, what it means to walk in the spirit, this relationship with God. I've had a lot of conversations recently and people are talking about the relationship with religion and where they stand and what they feel about it. And, and over and over again, I think Jesus invites us into this, but also the premise of this series is we're not really invited into religion, but Jesus actually made a way into relationship. And that's what we're talking about. This is not a God you have to earn favor with. This is a God who showed favor to you when you didn't deserve it and to me and to your neighbor, and to your really cranky aunt that only shows up at Thanksgiving that you really don't want to see coming. You know what I'm talking about? Like, that's the love of God that we're talking about. That's the love that's in this verse. And so as we get into it, we're going to talk about all the spirit, all the stuff that the spirit does, and it all has an end goal in love. Now, uh, a context for this passage, 
as we get into today's conversation. There's a guy named Paul, you know, heard of him. He, he was, um, well, he's a really, really big deal today because he's like the author of like a third of our New Testament, planted a ton of churches in the Mediterranean kind of right after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. But on the front end, Paul was like an aggressive against the Jesus movement, doing everything he could to shut it down. He hated Jesus, he hated Jesus' followers, he was killing Christians, throwing them in prison, anything he could do to oppose the Jesus movement, that was Paul. And then one day he met Jesus, and in that space it changed everything. So he becomes a Jesus follower, his life is radically transformed, and now we're hearing from that same guy. And so it's important as we're reading uh, from the letter of 1 Corinthians today, this is a letter to a church in Corinth. So we're the church in Boulder, City Church in Boulder. This is like another city. He's writing to a church in Corinth. And what we're reading in response to in this letter is, is he's responding to a lot of questions that this church had. So he had helped plant it, but he kept moving around, planting other churches. And so then they would do you know, the, the cool letter horse system. There was an SMS back in, in the day. No, not even AOL. I know that's crazy. If you don't know what that is, that's, that hurts my feelings because I'm not old at all. But uh, you know, there wasn't any of that. And so what do you have? You had, you know, carrier pigeons, I guess, or whatever. And so, so they have letters that they'd write back and forth. And so what we get in the letters to the Corinthians or the, to the church in Corinth are responses to some of the issues that they're experiencing in the city, some of the challenges, some of the questions that the leadership has. And in this community, they've got a lot of cool things happening, but there also is a lot of abuses, a lot of like challenges in this community. I mean, some crazy stuff. You want to just read some really weird stuff and some crazy stuff in the early church to make you feel better about yourself? Go, go read 1 Corinthians this week on your own. Make you feel great. And so, so they're trying to figure out what does it look like to live life in community, following Jesus, all of that. And, and one of the, the topics of conversation around abuse in this church was around this, what we would call today spiritual gifts. You guys heard that before? If, you, if you're new or new to ch like church and Jesus and stuff, just hang with me for a minute. But there's an entire section of love in, in chapter 13. It's really encouraging to read it on your own. An entire section in his letter on love as the principle. But what you might not know is this is a smack dab in the middle of two conversations around spiritual gifts. So let me show you. The beginning of 12 and the beginning of, of 14. You can go to the next slide for me. So, so chapter 12, so right before 13, hey, the greatest is love. Paul's given us a central focus, but here's, here's where it starts. Now, he's transitioning in his letter, dealing with different conversations, right? Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. So then he's going to write about these spiritual gifts, if you will. And then in 14, we see him after the chapter on love. Hey, listen, love is central here in all that we're talking about. So then he, he concludes, hey, pursue love. Make it the, the, the very top priority. Another translation says, follow the way of love, which is really good language when we talk about like the way of Jesus. This is really intentional. And earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit. So I just want you to know, like this amazing 1 Corinthians 13 chapter that you might be familiar with, even if you didn't know it, it's like very memorable, very popular. It's smack dab in the middle of a conversation around spiritual gifts. And, and what's interesting here is Paul starts by saying, hey guys, concerning these gifts, I don't want you to be uninformed, which is super ironic 
because here we are two millennia later, and that's like basically the disposition of the church in America today, is like uninformed, right? So I like polled a bunch of our leaders this week and like kind of asking, hey, like, tell me your experience, your understanding, like, like what do you know about spiritual gifts and what does that look like? And, and some people have like had really bad, weird abuse experiences, like super strange stuff. Other people have been in like conservative circles and like, oh, you know, like I read the scriptures and I believe like what's in there, but I have no idea what it looks like to live that out. And so uninformed is a really, really good way to describe, I would say, our church over the last three years. So I was talking with Seth, one of our staff members, yesterday while we were camping, and we were having this conversation. And he's like, hey, do you remember when I got here at City Church, when God called him to Boulder to help us plant City Church, I was having a conversation about, with you about all the stuff the Spirit does. And basically the conversation he and I had was, was yeah, I'm open to all of that. I have no idea what it means. So we'll just kind of figure it out when we get there. And so then Seth was like, I think we finally got there. Like, that's where we are in this series. I'm like, yeah, three years later, here we are. And so it's really interesting as we get into it, right? There's things he's going to bring up like prophecy. Like, what in the world is that? What do we do with that? Tongues, that just sounds weird. And we're not talking about making out. So like, what is tongues? Okay. It was a joke. It's kind of funny. <laughs> I'm just trying to lighten the mood, guys. Mm, anyway, and then healing, right? Like uh, everyone's got their kind of skeptical glasses on when it comes to healing, and me, and me too. And so interesting for Paul is he, he talks about it, then he goes back to 1 Corinthians 13, talking about love as the aim. And then again, 1 Corinthians 14, pursue love, as in make love your aim, your desire. It's the, it's the priority here. And desire the gifts because they're meant to be a catalyst for you to continue to love God and people. So this is really important. If you're not after loving God and people, and listen, this is not, if you're not a follower of Jesus, this, this, this statement's not for you. But if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're not after loving God and people, don't lean into the conversation around spiritual gifts. Because the gifts are not the point. They're a means to an end. Jesus said everything we're talking about can be summed up in loving God and people. And so when we talk about spiritual gifts, if God is love, which Jesus' best friend, John, said God is love. So if God is love, then how much more is that love just, just powerfully working in and through us when we let him through the spiritual gifts? That's what we're talking about. Does this make sense to you guys? So, so I, I polled, I asked that question and no one even nodded or said anything. <laughs> Does this make sense to you? Are you guys with me? A little head nod, thank you. Sage is giving me a massive thumbs up. I appreciate that, thank you, Sage. Okay, so let me, let me talk, before we move on, let me just talk about the, the spirit of consumerism in America and specifically in, in the Western church. Um, the spirit of consumerism is in our bones. It's like there's, there's just this thing inside of us that, that we, are, we are discipled, if you will, into a culture that says it's all about you. And so even as a follower of Jesus, I find myself often asking, what can I get? It's always about like more and more and more. And whatever it is, it's not necessarily material. It's consumer in every space. And so consumerism shows up, especially in the church, asking, what can I get out of it? Shows up in you know, weekend gatherings and city groups or whatever it is. What can I get? But love shows up asking, what can I give? And, and I just want to address this because I think all of us wrestle with this to a degree. This week, my heart has been back and forth. Consumer love, consumer contributor, consumer contributor. And in this space, we're being invited into love, which is the heart of walking in the spirit is, is, is this disposition of love. And, and where does it come from? For God so loved the world 
that he gave. We, we don't muster this up. We don't kind of work ourselves into a feeling, emotional frenzy to love well. We learn from Jesus that love is first a decision before it's a feeling, which is really important for our following and our discipleship of Jesus. And so for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So God gave himself for me and for you and for your neighbor and coworker and friend and, and family member. But God also, if you're a follower of Jesus, he wants to give you. So before we get into this conversation, I need you to know you yourself sitting in the room, you're a gift. Do you know that? I mean, I mean you are a gift. Your personality, your skill sets, how you're wired in and through, you are a gift. And God has a desire to work in and through you so you can be a gift to those around you, both those in the family of God and those far from God. But also, God gave you the gift of his presence, if you're a follower of Jesus, to empower you to love at a capacity beyond your own. A couple of weeks ago, we heard from Jesus. He said, hey, the things that you've seen me do, even greater things are you going to do. What was he talking about? We're talking about this, this greater level of loving others. And so, um, as, as we get into today's conversation, I just want to remind us, right, we love because he loved. This is not, I don't want you to think, like, try really hard. We talked about the, tr the difference between trying and training as followers of Jesus, right? You guys remember that? We're not, we're not here to try, but there's something to be said about training. So, so, we love because he loved. We give because he gave. We serve because he served. And, and so, th this is the space that Paul's coming at. When we talk about gifts, the disposition is not, what can I get? what can I give? And what does God want to give through me? You guys with me on this? Okay, here we go. So lots of respect as we get into this conversation, uh, um, but, but I, I think as we get into this next verse, let's see, you guys got 12.1, is, is that what's next? Yeah, baby. Um, okay, so we're going to get into the passage. You got your Bibles, journals, things like that. Go ahead and get them out. This is going to be helpful as you take notes. But Paul starts the letter saying, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. And I think myself included in this, there has been a misreading or an incomplete reading of what we're about to dig into today across especially like more conservative circles of the Western church, especially because of like enlightenment and like intellect and all of our skepticism and stuff like that. There's been a misreading of what we're about to get into. And so in the past, I don't know your story, so I'm just going to give you like a little bit of history. Um, if you've heard about spiritual gifts before, what we're talking about often is, is like this gift or ability that you get from the Spirit when you become a follower of Jesus. And, and normally, like as a follower of Jesus, like when you become a Jesus follower, you get one, maybe two or three of these. Anybody, is this resound with anybody? That kind of your story. You can even like take a spiritual gifts test online, which is kind of funny and ironic. So when I became a Jesus follower at 16... About like two years in, I'm like learning about like reading the scriptures, trying to figure this out. And then, and then my pastor puts like this test. This is like before online stuff was cool. So it's like a paper test with like 28 spiritual gifts on it. And you take the assessment and he's like, and I've never seen this in my entire life. And I'm like, cool, let's do it. And at this point, I feel like God's calling me maybe to like be a pastor or if nothing else, just share Jesus with everybody I meet. Like, I don't know what he's doing, but I'm kind of leaning there. So I take the assessment and it, it like ranks all 28 of them. And I'm like, cool. And he's like, all right, let's see, what, what, what has God given you? <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool, let's, let's check it out. And I, I don't remember what's at the, cho the top of the list. What I remember was what, the, what was at the very bottom. <laughs> the very lowest score on my spiritual gifts test was pastor. <laughs> and, and I remember looking at that like, 
well, this is going to be a problem. Like, and, and I kid you not, the guy looked at me and he said, so how's that going to work? If, like, I thought you said God was calling you. And I'm like, I have no idea what this means. I've never seen this before. And so that, that's, that's one of the spaces. It's like, hey, you become a Jesus follower. You get one, two, maybe three spiritual gifts. You're never going to know how to use them. You have no idea what to do with them, but you have them, okay? That, that's the space that has been talked about in the church. And so just, just for your perspective, there are three lists of like what's called gifts in the New Testament. There's like nine in 1 Corinthians 12 we're looking at today. There's seven in Romans 12. If you're taking notes, you can read it on your own. And there's five in Ephesians 4. And these are all different lists. And again, that's how they compile one big test for you. And, and so here's the bummer about this approach to spiritual gifts. is like Isaac takes the gift and he gets like healing. And then I take it and I get like the gift of giving. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> like... You get, you get healing, I get giving. You get prophecy, and I get cleaning toilets. Like, that is a bummer. And so here's what's interesting. I was reading this week, and, and the statement was that this is not how the, the, the history of the church, this is not how it's been read over like the last two millennia, but rather this reading, the way that we're talking right now, is about 50 to 60 years into the Western church. She's like, oh, okay, so we're going to dig in that today, okay? Um, now, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, right here on the screen, when you read it, right now about the gifts of the Spirit, or depending on your translation, it'll say spiritual gifts, okay? Uh, it's really, this is a poor translation. You go pick up any, like, super nerd scholar guy, and they try to translate this word, and there's one word in the Greek here, gifts of the Spirit, spiritual gifts, whatever it is. It's one word in the Greek, and it's this word pneumatikos, which is really strange because every time a translator gets to this word, they don't know how to use it because it's an adjective without a noun. You guys got that? Like, think about it. So, so this word right here is a plural adjective without a noun in the Greek text. So, so, so it, it can be translated like spiritual or because it's plural spirituals or like sometimes they're like spiritual people or, but the gifts of the spirit or spiritual gifts, that's not in the original language, which is really, really interesting. And so what we call spiritual gifts, like you see that over and over again if you've been around the church at all, what's, what's really weird about that is the word gifts in the Greek is used at the other passage, you know, Romans 12 and Ephesians. That word gift is used, it's charisma in the Greek, where we get the word charismatic. But the word charisma, gift, and the word spiritual or spirituals, like that pneumaticos, they're never used together. Not one time. So every time you read it, you see this. This is translators doing their best to put something together that's not actually in the text. And so over and over again, when I, when I read this, I'm like, okay, this is challenging because what this means is maybe these are different lists. So here's my interpretation, kind of just what I'm thinking as we get into it as a church, okay? So we're, we're gonna press into the stuff the Spirit does today. So if you go to Romans 12, it's got a list of like different, I would, I would say natural gifts, okay? So like teaching and leadership and mercy and giving, Go, go look at it. It, it. It's like the things that you're naturally wired to do. It's like how God made you. Have you ever like looked at somebody and, and they did something amazing and you were like, whoa, you have a gift, right? Most of the time, you're not talking about something miraculous they did. It's like, no, Danielle made cookies <laughs> and it was a gift, right? Or like you watch Isaac make a pour over and you're like, you have a gift. Or maybe more so guitar, but they're both impressive, right? Yeah, and we look at, and, and here's the deal. I think none of these lists that we see in the scriptures are exhaustive. And so we see like teaching, leadership, mercy in Romans 12. 
I think that can include architect and engineer and music and writing and, and parenting and IT and right, whatever it is. Like those natural things that you're gifted in is how God's wired you. That's what Romans 12 is about. And the whole point of Romans 12 is whatever God has made you good at, whatever you're kind of gifted in, leverage that for loving God and people. That's the whole point. So if you're good at making cookies, make some cookies. If you're good at making pour-overs, make me a pour-over. Whatever it is, leveraging just your natural gifts. You guys, you guys with me on that? So that, that'd be how I'd argue for Romans 12. Ephesians 4 is one that we use at City Church often. There's five gifts there. Alan Hirsch would call those capacities. So apostle, prophet, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. We use it like when you go through our growth track. And they are gifts, so I don't want you to miss the conversation. But they're different from Romans, um, 1 Corinthians 12 that we're in today. And so these are like capacities. So they, they fall into a different category of what we're going to see the stuff the Spirit does today. They're capacities that helps the church grow. So everyone has, you know, something out of Ephesians 4. But 1 Corinthians 12, where we are today, I know that's a lot. Just stay with me for a second. This is a list of pneumaticos. So again, the spirituals. What does that mean? The best translation I've heard so far that I think would be helpful to you and I, if you want to write this down, is when you read this translation, every time you see the spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Spirit, now concerning or now about the stuff the Spirit does. That's the best translation of this word. Now concerning the stuff the Spirit does, I don't want you to be uninformed. You guys with me on this? The stuff the Spirit does. That's the definition we're going to be working with when it comes to spiritual gifts. Now let me show you verse 7 here. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now this is Paul instructing the church, trying to help them understand what life in the Spirit looks like. To each person, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. He gives us the purpose again. It's about loving others. This has nothing to do with you. This is about building other people up and making much of God. This word manif manifestation here is, is a Greek word phenerosis, which means like a revelation or an unveiling, meaning when you and I open up our lives to the stuff the Spirit does, it's meant to be a manifestation of the Spirit, meaning a revelation, an unveiling, meaning when you, when you see one of these gifts used and God uses it through somebody, it's meant to say, whoa, like that's God's spirit working there. Like, whoa, that was a word from God. Whoa, God gave me some wisdom in this area. It's meant to give credit to God. You guys following me on this? Okay, so we're gonna go on. Paul calls this language, uh, these manifestations, which is really important. So why, why is this important? Why are we having this conversation? I would argue the reason we're talking about this today is all of the stuff the Spirit does that we're looking at today, and this is just a 30,000-foot view for our church, then we're gonna break it down over the next couple of weeks. I would argue that all of this stuff the Spirit does is, anyone, is, is open to anyone who follows Jesus. Like, Billy doesn't get one, and I get one, and Isaac gets one, and Holly gets one. But when we open up our lives to the Holy Spirit, he can do any of these things in and through us if he wants to. And the reason I would argue that is because I showed you earlier, like Paul at the end of like 12 right here, you go to thir verse 31, he, he says, earnestly desire the greater gifts or all the things that the Spirit does. And not greater like as in some are better than others, but as in some are more beneficial to others than, than some. He says, earnestly desire the greater gifts. So let me ask you a question. If God only gave you one or two, or if you're a superhero, three, then, then multiple times throughout these three chapters, Paul says, hey, but I want you to earnestly desire more. Why would he do that? <laughs> Here's your one. I want you to earnestly, earnestly desire them. You're never, you're never gonna get them. <laughs> 
but I want you to kind of be envious and jealous of other people's gifts and want them. That's not the posture. I think this is us opening our lives up to the Holy Spirit and he can do any of these things. And I'm not alone here. Tons of scholars share this, this perspective. In addition, I think most of the leaders in our church are in this same space, if not all of our leaders are in the same space dispositionally to the conversation we're having today. So again, it's not you get healing and I get giving, but rather we open up our lives to what the Spirit does. So this list of nine I don't think is exhaustive, like I told you earlier, um, but if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, God can do any of this stuff through you. So let me show you this verse 11. This is important context-wise, and you can read this whole chapter on your own. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. This is talking about the list we're about to read. And he, being the Holy Spirit, distributes them to each one just as he determines. You guys got this? This is you and I opening up our lives to the Holy Spirit's work and letting him do whatever he wants. So it's up to him whether he does any of this or not. You guys with me on that? This is not, so no one receives the gift of healing and then just can like turn it off and on like a superpower. If that's the case, then, then that person should be down at the children's hospital healing kids, shouldn't they? So, so the skeptic in you that just kind of just gets all weird about it sometimes, he's like, well, how does this work? This is it right here. We open up our lives to the Holy Spirit and he can do whatever he wants. So this is not we get done today and we're all like, yeah, let's do it. There's nothing to do. But we are gonna leave here saying, hey, let's open up our lives to the spirit and see what he wants to do in and through us. You guys down for that? You guys with me? Okay, so that, that was like the, the theology work of it. But today my goal for you in this passage specifically, 1 Corinthians 12, I don't want you to read it and say, what spiritual gift do I have as a Jesus follower? I want you to open your heart and mind to what kind of stuff does the Holy Spirit want to do in and through me? Because all of this is Jesus stuff. It's not weird. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. This is all Jesus stuff. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Be with Jesus. Become like Jesus. And then what? Do what Jesus did. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. And you're all nodding your heads a couple weeks ago. Let me just remind you. You're like, yeah. Here we are. 1 Corinthians 12. Are you guys ready to work through the list? With the time remaining, all right, here we go. So 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse seven. Now to each one, the manifestation. So I'm just gonna give you like the overview of what these gifts mean. And then in the subsequent weeks, we're going to break each one of them down together and talk about what it means to live our lives fully open to the work of the Spirit, okay? Each one of the manifestations of the Spirit is given for the common good. Don't miss the purpose. If love is not our aim, all of this is useless, okay? To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. Now, now, what this is is a, a message or a word from the Spirit through you to someone else. Do not miss the sequence. This is a message or a word of wisdom from the Spirit to you for someone else. We all need wisdom, right? <laughs> Three of us need wisdom. The rest of you got it figured out. Well, I'm so glad you're so full of the Holy Spirit today. We all need wisdom, right? Yeah, yeah, the wisdom is the, not, not just knowledge, wisdom is the ability to apply what we know to make a decision between right and wrong, to specifically to understand God's will for our lives. And so we all need wisdom, and, we, and, and a lot of times, right, we're facing decisions, if you're a follower of Jesus, and we're like, oh God, what do we do? And a lot of times it's right in front of us. Like sometimes it's very black and white, what, we, what should we do? We might not want to do it, <laughs> but the wisdom is there for us. But, but sometimes it's not, right? Sometimes we need wisdom, and we just don't, you ever been there? Like, God, I have no idea what to do here. So for example, let's say you've been married for five years, and some of the feelings are starting to disappear, and you just didn't, you know, you're not in love like you used to be, and, and uh, he's gained like 20 pounds, and it's not from CrossFit, you know what I'm saying? Like, and you're just like, ah, oh, I don't know if we should, you know, and you start playing around with the, the divorce card, and you're like, God, I really need wisdom here. Should we get a divorce? The answer is no. 
You don't have to look very far for that. Jesus is clear on his teachings on, 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 on divorce. You don't have to ask that question. But you could get him a CrossFit membership if you need to. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and so w- wisdom in that scenario is not like, God, what should I do? Here's the, I need you to understand. The Holy Spirit will never contradict Scripture. It's so important that you hear this. I think a lot of the abuse comes from, well, God told me, and that's dangerous space. We're going to talk about the language too, so don't, don't hear me say that. We're opening up our lives to hear from God. You ever felt like you just should share something with somebody? It's kind of an impression. You ever had that? It's as simple as that and testing it. But the Holy Spirit will never contradict Scripture. But Danielle and I are in a process right now of praying through fostering and adopting. And we went through the foster care training and we're looking at January beginning the process. And this is a question, God, we need wisdom. We live in Boulder, we live in 1,100 square feet. Uh, um, you know, we've already got two children and it's already expensive to live in the city. God, we need wisdom. Is this the next step that you have for us? Specifically because we're praying, okay, should we have a biological kid or should we foster and adopt? And we've been praying over that. We need wisdom, right? And, and, and is there something in the scriptures that tells us the answer to that? Not, not black and white, right? No, there's nothing, I've, I've, nothing has come out like, Drake, do this. I'm like, that would be great. So we're praying for wisdom in that process and then listening to others to see if God has a word of wisdom for us. You guys with me? Okay, that's the gift of wisdom. Number two, let's keep going. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. This is, a message of knowledge would be something information-wise you could only know from the spirit of God. So Jesus in John chapter four, he's at this well and a woman shows up and they're having a conversation. He's like, hey, you should go get your husband. And she's like, oh, well, I don't have a husband. He's like, yeah, you're right. You've been, you know, you've had five and you're you know, not married at all, but you're living with another dude. And, and the lady's like, ho, ho, I perceive you to be a prophet. <laughs> As in like, this is awkward. Let's change the subject. And, and you gotta ask the question, how did Jesus know that? This is a message of knowledge. And so maybe this has happened to you where all of a sudden you just, you just know something. This is a message from God for someone else. And this can be revealing. This can be helpful. I've heard all kinds of stories of how this plays out. Someone's struggling with something internally, and and then someone else reaches out about that very specific thing. They're like, how did you know that? And then God uses that to set someone free from the internal struggle that they haven't shared with anybody, whatever. It it plays itself out in a lot of ways. But I just want to encourage you. We always want to tread carefully in all of these conversations. We never accuse, never show up and say, God told me (laughs) anything. (laughs) Hey, I think I heard, hey, maybe, let me know if this means anything to you. Always like that, okay? Uh, um, always asking in these spaces. The next one, he goes on um, to another, he's given faith by the same spirit. Now, this is not like trust in Jesus saving faith. This is uh, the faith to do the extraordinary or the seemingly impossible. And, and we really struggle with this one, I think. Like when, when it comes to opening up our lives to the spirit, we live in America where we value, like, health, you know, we have health insurance and airbags, so we don't really need faith. <laughs> we're like, yeah, we're good. We, we have this kind of, like, safety above all else, and so when it comes to living in faith, this risk idea is not normally the very front thing for us. Um, but faith could be, well, we'll talk about it. Actually, next week, you guys check it out. Next week, one of my very good friends, his name is Jay Singh. He's an Indian pastor here in Denver, and he's also working in India. Um, he's planted 400 churches in the Denver metro area and over 800 churches in, the, uh, in India where they're working. And the dude is as normal as he can be and has, I mean, the, just a ton of these things working in and through his life. So he's gonna come share next week, so don't miss it. The next one. 
To another, he gives gifts of healing by that one spirit. So this is, this is a healing would be God making someone whole again. So this is not just like something physical. This can be a physical healing, emotional healing, relational healing, spiritual healing. And, and this is slippery, right? Because there are people, and I don't know your experience, but there are people out there in the world who abuse these ideas. They claim to have this gift and then they charge money for it. <laughs> We're not that church, right? This is not that space. And again, uh, we're, gonna have, we're gonna be talking about this in a few weeks, so, so don't check out as we dig into it. Um, but I would argue because of the plurality here, listen, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit. And so you're not given the superpower gift of healing. I want you to think less superhero and more like FedEx guy, <laughs> okay? You're, you're the delivery, gifts of healing, you're the delivery guy. So if God wants to do a healing in and through you as you pray over someone or something like that, that's the space here, is we open up our lives for, to pray over someone, to ask God for healing. I've been praying for my friend William over here for weeks as he struggles with a, a sleep apnea, and there's been moments where, like, okay, maybe we're making progress, and, and God is healing him, and other times not, and so every week we just keep coming and asking God to heal his mind and body, and it hasn't happened yet. And then there's other stories of just crazy things happening, especially all over the world. You and I struggle because where we live with our logic and our doubts, but um, here's the deal. Any of these gifts could be experienced more through one person or another, again, because we're not the ones that, that are, we're not in charge of this, right? We just open up our lives, God, if you want to do any of this, you do it. The next one, miraculous powers. Ooh, Halloween's almost here, you know, I just figured we'd throw that one in there, right? This, I know it sounds really weird, but think about the scriptures, right? There, there's tons of miraculous stuff in and through the life of Jesus and his followers. And so I've never seen it personally, I'll just be honest with you, I'm on this journey with you. I've never seen it personally, but the number of stories I've heard from credible people are just too hard to deny. And so we see this a lot all over the world. We hear about like when we were in India a, a couple of weeks ago, right, there's stories all over the place of, of God healing people and then people coming to faith, all kinds of stuff. Jay's gonna be here next week. I'm just naturally a skeptical guy, right? I got all the logical frames of reference that I'm thinking of. Um, and, and so next week when Jay's here, he, I had lunch with him last week while he was in India. He was telling me this story. He's like, yeah, me and two other pastors, we went to this home. We're praying over this lady, and she's sick. And in the middle of praying for her, she dies. <laughs> and he was like, oh, no. <laughs> that is not what's supposed to happen when we pray for somebody. And so they're, like, getting ready to figure out what they're going to do and, like, you know, what's next because this lady is now dead. And they're in the room for 30 minutes, and all three of them get the impression that God wants them to keep praying for her, right? That's, that's just what they got, hey, keep praying. And so for 30 minutes, they pray over this lady, and then Jay, we're just sitting casually having lunch, and then Jay's like, and she, she rose from the dead. And I'm like, you sure she wasn't just napping, bro? Like, <laughs> I, or this is the stuff the Spirit does, right? <laughs> So you can, if you don't like that story, you can hit up Jay next week because uh, I don't have any of those. But um, keep going. All right, here we go. <laughs> I'm going to invite Kari to come, and uh, we'll start landing this plane to another prophecy. This one, I don't know what you heard before, but if, if it makes you more comfortable, you could call this listening prayer. Okay, so like prophecy. Sometimes our, brain, our brains just go to weird spaces, right? Uh, um, but this is just listening prayer to where as you pray, God might give you a word or a phrase, or a picture, or a vision, or scriptures that, that come to mind, and it's either for you or for someone else, and so this is the, kind of that space of the Holy Spirit putting words or ideas into your mind, and you have this responsibility to pass it on, and so I'm in India, and we're praying in a circle before we go out and share, share the good news of Jesus with people in the streets, and, and we invite the Holy Spirit to come and speak, and then the one leading the, the prayer time, they're like, hey, does anybody have a, a word from God as we're sitting here? 
And this guy that does not know me looks up and he, he looks over at me and he says, I felt like God told me that City Church is gonna grow and do really, really well and it's gonna be really hard. And I was like, why well, you gotta include that last part? Like, <laughs> I was really cool on the front end, right? And, and you know, so, so I take it probably like you would take it, you know, a little bit skeptical, but also like, all right, God, we'll see what's up. Um, so it's, it could be something simple like that. Um, again, this is lots of humility. We don't say God told me. But last, two weeks ago, we're leading our prayer time, 945, you're invited every week. And as we're praying, we're in the middle of some prompts that we're using, and then I feel this, uh, over and over again, the word anxiety comes into my heart and mind. I mean, like, like, distractingly obvious, and that doesn't happen very often for me. And it happens so much that I'm like, okay, maybe, and I'm, you know, in, in this space of learning and growing with you. And so in the last prompt, instead of giving it, I stand up, and there's 20 people in the room praying with us. And I said, hey, before we end our time of prayer, I, I feel like the word anxiety has just been like ringing in my mind. Does that, and I, here's how I ask it. Does that word mean anything to anybody? And then one person right in the middle did one of these awkward, you know, like, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, cool, like, that's fine. If God gave me a word for one person, all of a sudden another hand, another hand, and I kid you not, the entire room two weeks ago in the middle of prayer raises their hand over this one word. And God makes it very clear, there's a spirit of fear and anxiety in this room as we gather to serve today. And so then we take some time and we pray over that very specific space. And everyone probably has different reasons for anxiety, right? But that was a very real moment of, of God affirming for me, hey, this was a word that I gave you for others. He goes on. To another, he gives uh, the, the, the uh, gift of distinguishing between spirits. This is, uh, this is to know if something is from God or if it's from an evil spirit. And you know, you and I live in this enlightened space where we don't like to think about spirituality at all, especially not you know, the realm of like evil spirits or the demonic, but that's a very real reality that we live in. And so this is the ability, this is the, the, the discernment to know what Jesus is up to and what the scriptures or Jesus would call the enemy is up to. And then to either pray specifically or encourage specifically. And so this is when maybe a lot of people in your city group or on a Sunday morning are, are stirring. There's like thoughts of hopelessness or suicide or death or just chronic anxiety. And we know that is not from God's spirit for you. And then someone is given the impression or the discernment that that is a reality. And then we speak truth that God can heal you from that. God can break that spirit over your life and he can bring you into new life. The distinguishing of spirits. And the last one is speaking in different kinds of tongues and still another, the interpretation of tongues. And that word in the Greek, tongues, it literally means languages. So again, just kind of unweird it in your mind. We're just talking about speaking different languages. You can go read the book of Acts. You see it happen over and over again. And this is the two, two different variations of, of these gifts. Either you speak in a tongue or a language that you don't understand, and it's either as an act of prayer kind of privately to God and praise to God. Or Jay would tell a story about how he is speaking in a tongue he does not understand and the person on the other side of him is Russian and understands every word he's saying even though he doesn't know Russian. <laughs> and the dude becomes a Jesus follower and all of that. So it's, it's both of those things. And then Paul, we'll talk about this more, the interpretation of it, which Paul gives us kind of parameters for. 
What's unique about this gift is this, this is the only gift or the expression given that's for you and not for the church, not for others. All the others are for building other people up. This gift is for building you up. So Paul goes straight from the manifestations of the Spirit. And listen, I know you get your skeptical lenses on with me, and it's okay. We're going to walk through this together. This is the same Bible you've been reading a long time if you're a Jesus follower, and we're just going to walk through it. But he goes straight from the manifestations of the Spirit to talking about this analogy that we are his body. As in, Jesus had a physical body before he was buried and rose again and ascended. And now we are the physical demonstration of Jesus in the world. So this is not just for you and for me. This is for the world. Not these gifts in particular, but as we build one another up, we are to live on mission to make God's love known in the world around us. And so some of you, your hearts lean into these conversations and you're like, man, you, you've been hungry for this. You're trying to understand it, never had an outlet. Most of the people I talked to at City Church so far were like, I'm open but cautious to this conversation. And I would say, me too. Charismatic with a seatbelt. Um, um, and uh, one of our staff members was like, have you unbuckled that seatbelt? I'm like, no, no, no. It is a five-point harness seatbelt and we are strapped in, okay? But we are open to whatever God wants to do. Others of you, you, you have some abuses in your past. You've seen the weird stuff in churches, uh, people claiming some very strange things and acting. That, that's not what we're about here. This is not weird, and the Holy Spirit is not weird. Some of you, this is brand new. You're a new Jesus follower. You're new to this conversation. My encouragement would be pick up the scriptures and dig in with us. And so there's a couple of postures in the room. Some of you are close to this for different reasons, and I would just encourage you, test everything that we're talking about in the scriptures. Don't take my word for it. Pick up the scriptures, get in your city group, process life together. Some of you, if you're in the open but cautious space, I mean, I would say that that's where I am, maybe a little bit past that, where you kind of believe it, but you don't practice it. And there's lots of reasons why you're not actively living in it. But since we've started, I've believed it and not knowing what to do with it. And I, and I just want you to know I'm kind of tired of not doing what we say we believe. That's where we are. And so we want it. We just want all that God has for us in and through his spirit for his kingdom. That's it. Others of you, you're already in the space of actively seeking, and I just want to encourage you, hey, let's just keep asking the Spirit of God to do this stuff through us. Open up our lives. So here's the invitation today. Number one, ask yourself, is my life open to all the Spirit wants to do? Am I open? Number two is asking, is there anything standing in the way? Right? Maybe, maybe it's apathy in your heart. Maybe it's your theology. I would say my head gets in the way way more than anything else for me just personally. I read the scriptures and I'm like, it's right there. And this right here is like, I don't know, bro. <laughs> maybe for you it's busyness. You're just so busy. Like we talked about this. This is a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And maybe you're so busy, you're not still, you're not quiet, you're not silent, you're not listening. Maybe it's just unbelief in general. Skeptic in you is just on overload. Maybe it's fear, which is a very real reality when it comes to this. I would say that that has been a very real reality in my heart. Oh God, what, like, what if you messed this up, or what does it look like? So here's my encouragement for you and I this week. Back to Paul's words. Would you just do this with me this week? Pursue love and open up our lives to a space where we earnestly desire all the stuff the Spirit wants to do in and through me. Would I just embrace the space to pursue love as a priority and earnestly desire the stuff the Spirit wants to do in and through me? 
who he wants me to become, how he wants me to love, what he wants to speak to me about. And listen, don't, this is not feely, you know, hopefully you, the, the emotional high carries you throughout the week. This is not what we're talking about. How do you pursue love? This is the same conversation we had last week of practicing the presence of God daily, intimately, in the scriptures and in prayer. This is practicing in your city group and in community, being vulnerable and getting around people who love you and love Jesus are going to walk with you through this. This is choosing to step into cultivating our relationship with God and then a desire that just means to ask. Jesus says, God is a good father who loves us. And how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? I've heard it said that you don't have to get more of the Holy Spirit. Like as a Jesus follower, you have all that you're ever going to get. But a better question is, how much of you does the Holy Spirit have? How open are we? For some of you in the room, uh, you're not followers of Jesus, and, uh, and the invitation is open for you, like to pursue love, absolutely. Um, but what I don't want you to miss is that the reason this invitation is open is because love has been pursuing you. The reason that, that we're willing to walk into all that God has for us is because of his love for us. So my, my, my question for you was, has there ever been a moment in your life where you've responded to the invitation from Jesus? What he says is to repent and believe. Repent is not a religious word. It just means to change the way that you think, to agree with Jesus about what he said uh, life is actually like who he said he is, what he could do in our lives, and then to trust, to believe in him. Like you sat down in the chair you're in this morning to have the confidence in the person and work of Jesus for your life. It doesn't start with what you do for him. It starts with what he's done for you. And this incredible love of Jesus dying in our place for our sin, being buried and rising again, is what introduces us into a relationship with God that we don't earn, we don't deserve, but we get to enjoy. So if you've never responded to that invitation, I'd, I'd, I'd invite you to do that today. Let me pray for you, okay? God, thanks so much for your word that teaches us. Thank you for your spirit that reveals truth to us. Thank you for your presence and power working in and through our lives. Thank you for your love uh, that moves us, that changes us, that makes us want to become the kind of people that you work in and through, that we want to love people well. We don't want to be weird, but Jesus, you are the least weird person on the planet. You are so fully human and so fully love. You didn't live in compromise. You didn't live in fear. You were radically generous, outwardly focused, committed to community, full of love of God and people. And Jesus, that's where our hearts are today. So Holy Spirit, we want to open up our hearts and minds to you and just all the stuff the Spirit does. And for my friends in the room that are wrestling with faith, would you make, their, make your love known to them today? God, in the songs that we sing in the coming moments, in the time of prayer that we have, would you do what you need to do in our hearts and minds? It's in Jesus' name. Amen.